Good morning. My name is Nathan, and uh, I'm the lead minister here, lead pastor, whatever you want to call me. Um, just don't call me a Colts fan. We can call me anything else. Uh, but hey, guys, it's so good to be with you. I mean, this place is awesome. This is, like uh, Greg said, this is the last week of our You Matter series, so we are officially married now, right? It's been six weeks together, so uh, if you're new here, we're new here, too. Uh, so good to just be with you. If you want to talk, I would love to meet you out there. If you've been here for a while and we haven't talked yet, uh, we can still talk. I would love to hear your stories, but guys, it's so good. And I really do hope you've enjoyed the You Matter series as much as I have. If you have, just put your hands together for me. I think it's been awesome. I, I think it's God's going to do some awesome things. And uh, we're going to have a new series next week that we're calling Habits. Everybody has habits, so next week we'll look at like kind of the science and the kind of the sociological part of habits. We all have habits, and we are a collection of our habits is what's playing out in our lives. So we have that series starting next Sunday, the 16th, and then on the 19th, you see on the screen behind me and on the screens on the side here, we have table groups, and table groups are designed with you guys in mind. We want you to be able to grow deeper in your faith. We have a mission of helping people find Jesus and live like him. We want to help you live like him and take that next step. So we'll have tables set up in this area or somewhere in the church, and we will discuss, like a small group or a life group, what, what we talked about that Sunday. And you'll have some games to play. There'll be some snacks. There'll be child care. And we're inviting everybody to check it out. So if you're going to come, if you want to come, you need to pre-register so we can serve you better. And the ways are by going to our website at revolutioncc.org or check it out in the app. Please, please pre-register for that because it is going to be an amazing time and we want all of you there. But like I said today, it is the final You Matter series, so make sure to get your t-shirt, You Matter, $10 out there. If you're new here, you get the t-shirt for free for just showing up, so just uh, check out the next steps outside these double doors. We would love to give you a gift. The rest of you be rocking these shirts everywhere, but You Matter was really simple. It's something God put on my heart when I talked to leadership being hired here. They're like, hey, will you bring that vision that God has put on you here as well? And so we've been talking about it, and it's really simple. We want everybody to know that they matter because God says they matter. And we believe one of the greatest things that we're called to do is to treat people like they matter, that they have value and dignity and honor because God has proved they matter. And we've been talking about that for five long weeks, and today is kind of a... I call this our brave heart moment, right? I almost painted half my face like Mel Gibson, but green instead. And this is like a rally cry. It's like, hey, don't let's just leave with a good series. Like, it was good. You know, hey, you guys, like, hey, good job. We loved it. But let's actually apply what we're talking about. So today, this is that moment, the rally cry. And I'm going to read a couple verses in just a moment. And I'm not going to give you any context. I'm going to read them, and you're going to be like, what in the world does that have to do with me? And that's exactly where I want you to be. And then I'll explain them. All right, you guys ready? Here we go. First Samuel, there's a book called First Samuel, and it says this. When Samuel had all of Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Marty's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken. But when they looked for him, he was not able to be found. They could not find him anywhere. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the, the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has. But he has hidden himself among the supplies. So there's a lot going on here. Let me explain. There's two men you need to know about. One man named Samuel, and he's a prophet. He's a prophet for God, and he would speak to the Israelites on God's behalf. And then there's another man named Saul. And Saul's life is about to change. Saul is about to become the very first king of Israel. Now, Israel is not supposed to have a king, and Saul's a really bad king, but that's another story for another time, right? It's one of those things. It is wild. 
but he's supposed to be king. This is his moment. This is his moment when he's going to walk to the stage. He's going to be stand up tall. The Bible says he was tall and handsome and good looking, and his name could have been Nathan, but it was Saul instead. And so he's up there, and he's tall, and he's good looking. And he's, he's supposed to come up there. And they're looking for him, and they're waiting for him. And guess where he is? He's hiding among the supplies. He's hiding in a barn. He's hiding with a bunch of animals. The flowers are there. The band is there. All the tribes of Israel are there, gathered for this moment. He is supposed to step into his purpose, his calling, and he's hiding. He's nowhere to be found. It's like, guys, imagine your wedding, right? You've never looked better than you did at your wedding, right? That's the truth. Like, you look so good. Everybody, they're like, how in the world does he look so good, right? And how is this girl wanting to marry him? And your family's there, and they got the band. Imagine, in my mind, Adam, uh, Adam Sandler from The Wedding Singer is singing songs, right? And, and you're waiting. Everybody, the groomsmen, the bridesmaids are out there, and they're just waiting and waiting and waiting for the bride. And she never comes. And what happened to her? Like, well, she figured out she doesn't want to marry this guy, right? Like, hey, she got smart real quick, right? And so this is what's going on. He's, he's hiding. And when I read these verses a couple weeks ago, I'm like, I got to talk about these. Because, one, I've read them a thousand times, but I've really never applied them in my life. And what, what I want to say is, like, listen, I think there may be someone in here who has a purpose, who has a destiny, who God is calling to do something. I believe God's called all of us to do something. And what I know to be true is that many of us are hiding among the supplies. That God's looking. He's calling. He's like, I got something for you. I got something I want you to do. And we're hiding. And we're hiding in excuses. And we're hiding from serving. And we're hiding from being part of the next generation's life. We are just hiding. We're just hiding. And I, I got to tell you this, because I love you, but God has put you in this moment. I believe it to be true. There's a reason you're here today. There's a reason you're in Logansport, Indiana, or wherever small town you live at around here. That God has put you in this moment. But more importantly, he's put you in this generation. And what God is saying is now is your time, your time to step up. And I know that we're hiding, and sometimes we're hiding, and we feel justified in our hiding because we, we got our reasons. Maybe you're like, hey, I've never seen anybody who looks like me do what I'm, I'm about to do. I've never seen God do something in someone's life who looks like me. I've never seen someone act in someone's life who's been in the situations I have been in. Maybe you say, like, I've never seen someone in my family do what God is calling me to do. I've never seen it. And maybe in front of you, the trail isn't blazed. God's saying, you know what? It's not blazed yet because I'm making you the trailblazer. You're about to do it. I'll put you in this moment, in this generation, in this time right now to step up. And God is looking for someone to step up. You know who that someone is? That someone is you. Here's how I know that. None of you picked to be born when you did. That's not how it works, is it? Right? You guys know how it works, right? This is second service, but we still know how it works, right? Like your mom and dad did their thing. If you don't know what their thing is, ask your mom and dad when you get home. I'm not having that talk today. But they did their thing. 70, 80, 90 years ago. I know we don't want to think about it, but 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, your mom and dad did their thing. Nine months later, you came in this world. And God said, I made this man, this woman, this, this person for this time, for this generation to do something. I have a purpose for them to be light, to bring salt. I have them go in the revolution church at this season, at this time for a moment. And God is looking for someone to step up. And that someone is you. God is trying to call each of us into our purpose. And don't hide when God is calling you to step into your purpose. I like to say, don't be hiding when God's calling you to your purpose. You know, like, don't be hiding. Don't be among the supplies and your excuses and your feelings because someone said something bad about you, right? God is calling you, and he's calling you to step into your purpose. 
Now that word purpose is a big word, and many of, we all have a purpose, and it's kind of, it's not always like black and white. For each of us, there's an individual purpose. The individual purpose goes with the talents and the skills and the abilities we've been given. And some of you are working jobs with those talents and skills and ability. But then we all have a collective purpose that everyone who follows Jesus will be like, hey, they have a purpose. And Jesus basically said, like, the greatest command or the greatest purpose that each person has can be summed up as the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We share that purpose collectively. And what I like to do is I like to summarize that and say this, we all share the purpose of living out you matter. And that's what I really want us to end with this series, like that we have this purpose, that each of us has this responsibility individually to live out this purpose of treating people that they matter, leading them to God, getting them to know Jesus, and not just getting them to know Jesus, but helping them live like Jesus. We all have this same shared purpose. And this wasn't just an idea that I, I, I said, like, you know, I want to make a, a two-word phrase to live by. But what I've known is I, I've dealt with people since I was 20 now, so several years, and I've seen just living this out, and I get it wrong so much. So there might be some times you hang out with me, and you're like, hey, Maybe that guy's a jerk, right? You might think that, but I, I, I'm not a jerk, right? And so I get it wrong all the time. But I also know that we all share this purpose. And so I've seen this message of you matter transform lives. I've seen telling someone that God loves them change the direction of their life. I, I've seen by me being someone or someone else being someone that treats them like they matter change their lives. Before I left my last church, there was a man that I developed a friendship with. And he's not, he's not like a church guy. Like, you want to look at him like, man, that's a church guy, right? It's not him. But I coached his son in basketball, and he liked me enough. And he's like, I'm, he started coming to church a little bit here, here and there. He wasn't really a church person, but he started to come. And I was like, man, this guy, I got to know this guy. Like, he's a little wild. He's a little crazy. And he's like, he got my attention. Like, I want to know this guy. So one day, I was like, I'm just going to ask him to lunch. I know it's a little awkward, but I'm going to just ask him to lunch. I'm like, hey, you want to go to lunch? And his eyes got really, really big. And I knew what he was saying. He's like, who in the world wants to go to lunch with a minister, right? I was like, I know. I don't even want to eat with myself, but you want to go to lunch with me, right? Do you want to go to lunch? And his eyes were really big. And I'm like, yeah. And basically, I was like, yeah, dude, you want to go to lunch? I'll pick you up on Wednesday. So I didn't even let him answer. I just said, I'll be at your house. I know where you live. Wednesday, 12 o'clock. So we, we decided to go to lunch. And we went to the any, you guys know this, small town in Indiana. We went to the best restaurant in town. The local Mexican restaurant, right? So we went there, right? And, and we ate and we sat down and he's nervous, man. I can see, I can literally see sweat dropping off his head. I'm like, dude, what is going on? He doesn't say a word until we order. So he orders his food. And, he's, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, does he really not like me that much? I know his son wasn't very good at basketball, so he didn't get to play a lot. Like, what's the deal here? Like, you holding that against me? And then he, he sits down and, and dead serious. He's like, he goes, I knew it was only a matter of time. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I knew you were going to find out that I got arrested. <laughs> That's what he starts off with, right? He's like, I know you're going to find out. He's like, you found out. And I'm like, what are you talking? No, I did not find out. And then he goes on to tell me this whole story of why he got arrested years and years ago. I was like, dude, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing. But I just want to eat tacos with you, man. Like, I just, wa I just wanted to get to know you. And his answer, his response is why I doubled down on this. He said, I'm 55 years old. In 55 years, no one ever has asked me to go to lunch. I'm like, you got some bad friends, dude. Like, come on now. He's like, no one's ever asked me to go to lunch, let alone a minister. 
I was like, well, today's your lucky day, dude. It's not all it's hyped up to be, is it? Right? <laughs> but I saw what, and then I saw him because of our relationship. We, we'd go to lunch together and, and we would talk. His faith started to grow. And he would sit in front row at church on Sundays and he would miss half the stuff I would say. But I saw his life change. Not because I, I gave him all this big knowledge or anything. I don't have that. But because I treated him like he mattered. In that moment, I was reminded that's what this can do. That's why we double down on this. And when I left that church several months ago, he was one of the hardest people to say goodbye to. And I often think back to that lunch and that relationship, and it reminded me of a, a fundamental need that we all have. We all have this fundamental need to belong. Even if you say, I don't like people, the way your mind is designed, the way you're created, is that we were created to be in community with people. We are created to find places where we belong. We were created to find places where we feel safe. We were created to be around people who love us. And our mind actually does something when we're around people we feel like that love us and belong. There, there's a happiness that our mind creates in us that it feels, it's like this dopamine that we get from being around people who love us, right? It's, it's fundamental to who we are, even if you say you don't like people. There's people you want to be around so that's why people join gyms and groups and support groups and life groups and go to churches and sign up for other things like why else in the world would somebody run up to uh, sign up to run a 5k like who does that on thanksgiving right like because they want to belong in their community and there, nothing proves that to be true more than social trends and style so i got a couple examples for you right let me show you why in the world would anybody ever get this haircut okay anybody in the room have a mullet ever back in the day some of you? All right, good. I had a mullet too. My mom gave it to me. I didn't have a choice, but I had it. And so this dude, I, I'm convinced, one, this looks like a young Derek Rohde, doesn't it, guys, right? <laughs> but also, other than fitting in, because all I did, I went to Google. I was like, maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm harsh on the mullet. I went to Google and typed in worst men haircut of all time. This young man, who I do not know who it is, popped up, and I said, you know what, buddy? You're going to hop on the screen today, and here he is, Right? <laughs> We do it to fit in. And then I was like, what else do we do? And then I came to the conclusion of these, these bad boys. <laughs> Who wears Crocs in here? I, I will never understand you. I don't know why people wear these. But other than people wanting to fit in in style, the designer of Crocs was like, I'm going to design the ugliest shoe of all time. And Midwest, Midwesterners are going to eat it up and they're going to buy them like crazy. We put them in camo, everybody will get them, right? And so why would you wear Crocs? And then I was like, okay, what growing up was the same thing? So I, I thought about this, inflatable furniture. And so like we, you'd beg your parents for this. All, my, all me and my friends wanted these, right? And you'd get it and like you convince yourself like, man, when I get this furniture and this couch, we're going to have girls over, we're going to be eating pizza. And then oh, nobody comes over except your guy's friend. And you got that one husky friend, he sits in a chair and it deflates, right? <laughs> but people do these type of things because there's this trends and advertisement is all about trying to make people like if you have this item if you get this you belong but we should be a community when people come through here they feel like they belong so you may have come in here today you're like I don't belong here in this town in this world I want you to hear me I believe this you will always always belong here now that does not mean we're perfect that does not mean we get everything right but you have a place here. And I wanted to end this series asking an important question. And the question was this. When people are around me, do they feel like they matter? When I'm interacting at work, 
Do people like, hey, I, I belong around that guy or that, gr- that girl? Like, do I feel like, do I make them feel like they matter? After a long day at work or a long day with the kids staying at home and you come home, does your family feel like they matter to you? When you're driving through Logansport, and listen, I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but maybe this will make a difference. You got some people in Logansport drive very, very, very slow. So when they're driving slow and they're stuck behind you, you want to honk at them. Do they feel like they matter? When people are around you, do they feel like they belong? And the reason I ask that question is, I really love our mission statement of helping people find Jesus. I, I love helping people find Jesus. But what I love more is helping people live like Jesus. And our goal, my goal for you as your minister, as your pastor, is to help you become more and more like Jesus as I become more and more like Jesus. Because I'm not like Jesus. I fail all the time. But our goal is to become more and more like Jesus. You know what Jesus did? Jesus gave all of us a master class on what it means to invite people to belong. That Jesus would take people who are the outcasts, prostitutes, women caught in adultery, tax collectors, and the people on the outcasts of society, and he would, he would call them in to be around him. What he would do is he would invite them to belong. There's a little verse in, in the book of Luke, and sometimes in the Bible, like, we want these big, hef- you know, long verses, and like, that's what deep is, and this, this, and this. Sometimes the, the verses that speak to me most are the small, small verses. Luke chapter 15 is one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. It talks about the lost, uh, you know, the lost sheep, lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. But before you get to any of that, there's one line, there's one sentence that I love because it teaches me everything I need to know about how Jesus lived in ministry. And it was this line right here. You guys are going to read the yellow, I'll read the white. It says, now the... And we're all gathering around to hear Jesus. Tax collectors, we know they're corrupt, they're cheap. But I like that word sinners because Luke thought it thought he needed to add this. We're all sinners. So like when he says sinners, he's like, these are the worst of the worst. These are the people that you don't want to hang out with. He's like, dude, those are the people that cheer for the wrong team, vote for the wrong way politically, that like electric cars over gas cars. He's like, all those people, that's the people here. And what I love specifically is they're gathering around to hear Jesus. When was the last time someone who was completely opposite of you wanted to be around you. Because these people who are nothing like Jesus are gathering around to hear Jesus. When was the last time someone who was nothing like us wanted to be around us? The answer is not very often, right? Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And I think, maybe I'm just simple-minded, but I thought if we got this right, we could change a community. We got this right, we could change the school system. We got this right, this county could never would change forever. We got this right, all those small towns that y'all come from that I don't know names yet, we could change those too, right? <laughs> People who were nothing like Jesus gathered around him. And do you think it was because he agreed with everything they did? Nah. Do you think he approved of the way they always lived? No, not, not that either. Why, why do you do that? Because Jesus knew something. I think churches miss. Not us, but churches. I don't know us yet, right? I'll, I'll, I'll figure it all out soon, but we're, we're married now, so we'll figure it out along the way. He did it. He, he figured out, if I'm going to reach people, you know what i got to first do? i got to connect with people. Because no one's going to listen to me if I never reached them, never connected with them, tell them to change, right? Why would, why would they, right? You guys don't do that. 
And I think sometimes we miss this. We can disagree with how someone's living, but we can't value them any less. We can disagree, right? There's, how many of you are sitting next to someone you disagree with all the time? Raise your hand. Yeah, right, yeah. I disagree with half of you last week wearing your Colts gear. Where is it today? Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee put a beat down on you, and now you're not wearing it, right? We can disagree, but we can't value people less. But I think what happens is our culture tries to divide. They're like, hey, I disagree with you, so I can't like you. I can't be around you. I don't want to be around you because you disagree with me. But what we see is like, even when we disagree, you can't value any less. Even when people do things, and there's, people, there's things that people do that I disagree with all the time. The way they're living, the way they believe about other things. But I can't value them less as a human because our, those people that we disagree with, they're the people we're trying to reach. They're not the enemy, they're the mission. People are the mission. People is why we do this. And every person we disagree with, we can try to dehumanize, but there's still someone who has value that still matters. There's someone we're still trying to reach. So if Jesus was here, I was like, what would Jesus say? And Jesus would say a lot of stuff, but I think he would say these simple words. Go and be like me. It even rhymes. We made it so simple you can remember it, right? Go and be like me like me. Well, Nathan, where did you get that from? Well, Jesus actually had a conversation with his disciples before he's leaving. And it's a go and be like me conversation. In Matthew 28, it says, therefore, what? Therefore, go and make, this is the B part, make disciples of all nations, right? That's part of our job is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, right? Be like I have been, right? And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love this phrase, therefore go. In the Greek, the word therefore go, this phrase is perirome. And it means to travel, to depart. In Greek, is the original language. So this is the original context. It means to go, to depart, to take a journey, or in my terms, it means as you are going, living out life. This is not something you matter and treating people like they matter. is isn't something you just check a box with. It's a way of life. It's, it's part of who you are. And as you're going and you're being like Jesus, it's not a checklist. It's, it's who you are because you've been with Jesus and now you're living more like Jesus. And as you're living life, as you are going out into the world, living out your purpose, you are being like Jesus. You are going and you're traveling and you're living your life and you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. When, Jesus, when people see you, they should say, man... They're messed up, but I see a little bit of Jesus in them. If Jesus is anything like that, and he's a thousand times better, I want to know who they are, and I want to be where they are. You see, the church, we are never called to just be a gathering. We're not called to just consume worship and hear worship. We're called to be a movement, a movement that goes and bees, a movement that shows people that they matter, a movement that goes in the school system, a movement that goes in the community, a movement that doesn't just gather on Sundays, but makes their impact throughout the rest of the week right? That's what we're supposed to be. We were never called to just be a gathering, but a movement. And we're supposed to go. And as we're going, we're supposed to be. And as we're being, we're supposed to be like Jesus. What I love about Jesus, though, is again, we see an example of this. There's an example in the Gospel of Luke while Jesus is going and, he, and he's living out his life and he's living out his ministry and he's showing us what it's like to be him. There's a perfect example. It says this, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Pause. 
Leprosy is a disease. I used to think it meant like a, a dude was walking through town with a cat on his shoulder, right? No, it's leprosy, the disease. And when he saw Jesus, he fell to his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, can you make me clean? There's a man with leprosy. Leprosy is 99% cure rate. I don't, you know, you most likely will never encounter anyone with leprosy, never. But back in this day, it was prominent. It was very contagious. And you'd get these sores on your skin and your arms and your, and your limbs and your, and your fingers and your nose and your toes. And your skin would literally rot and fall off. So most of the people with leprosy weren't even allowed to live in the city. Scholars tell us and uh, culture tells us. And they say that, well, historians say, like, on the outsides of the wall, there would be leper communities. Again, not cats, people with diseases, okay? Stay with me. And so there would be these people with leprosy out on the outside outskirts of town and when they came into the town they would have to yell unclean 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 they would have to make it known that they are around you because you can't touch them because they're unclean and it's very contagious so these would have been the outcasts of the outcasts of life and so this man must have heard about Jesus and said man I've heard about Jesus and what he can do and he's like I need healed I need help so he walks up to him and he falls on his face and he says Lord if you're willing will you make me clean and in this moment, it's, it, it would have been an intenseful moment because people would have been around him. People would have watched this. They're like, what is Jesus going to do? What is he going to do? What decision is he going to make? Is he going to tell this man to get out of here, kick rocks? What's he going to do? I love what Jesus does. First thing he does, he doesn't, it's not what he says, it's what he does. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him man who hadn't been touched in years because of his leprosy, people who thought this guy was the outcast of outcasts, Jesus touches him. You know what that touch symbolized? I love you. You matter to me. You belong around me. And then imagine, and we don't see this, but imagine Jesus looking in the eye and says, I am willing. Now be clean. And the leprosy left him. I love this example because Jesus is going on his life. He's just living out his mission. He's living out his purpose. And while he's living out his life, he's interrupted. And in that moment, he had an opportunity to do what other people did, or he had an opportunity to reach out and change someone's life. And that's what he does. Now, you and I aren't ever going to run into someone with leprosy, right? That's just not going to happen. We may, in, in this town, we may run into someone with a cat on their shoulders. That's, that may not be abnormal. But Republicans... I bet you run into a Democrat or two. Democrats, I bet you run into a Republican or two. It's Indiana, right? You're going to run into a couple. I bet you're going to run into someone that doesn't necessarily believe what you believe about sex, sexuality, about gender. I bet you're going to run into someone who makes you mad. I bet you're going to run into someone you, you disagree with. Yeah, you're going to run into some people that you disagree with, right? The question is, what do you do in that moment? Because you can say, hey, well, you know, six weeks ago, we had a really good series about you matter. And then you can treat them like they don't matter. Or the better option is we can go and be like Jesus. But there's only a little bit of tension in that as we're trying to live that out. As we're trying to go and be. I've been at this long enough, and you, you know this, right? We tend to only go to who we want to go to, right? And so, like, hey, I, I, I am reaching out, but they all look like you, act like you, vote like you, and, and like, they just look like you, right? You're like, hey, I'm doing a really good job. But we tend to only go to who we want to go to. We don't go to the people who make us uncomfortable. We don't go to the people who are a little different than us. We don't go to the people that we don't like. We go to who we want to go to, and then we're like, yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That's not how Jesus lived. See, what we do, we're really good at tagging and labeling people. 
I got a friend back in the Cincinnati area who works for private jet company. He's way, way smarter than me, so I don't even know what he does. He just fixes them, and I don't know. He does something with them. And one day we were talking about this, and he, he, told, he gave me these tags and said, this is what we do at work. And so these tags are what they put on parts of airplanes that need to be fixed. So I want to explain to you, because I think this is what we do to people. So there's the red tag. The red tag right here says rejected. And those are the people who are like, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to do anything with you. I don't like the way you vote. I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you act. I'm rejecting you. I tag them. And sadly, most of the time, we tag them for the rest of their life. we like, tagged, damaged goods. We're rejecting you. That part can no longer be in the airplane ever again. That's what we do. We tag them. We're like, I'm done with you. Then there's this where it gets confusing, right? Green typically means go, but not in the airfield, I guess. This means it is repairable. And we love to do this to people. How many of you have ever heard a church say, come as you are? Anybody ever heard that? A church say, yeah, you know what they mean? Come as we want you to be. That's what they mean, right? And so they're like, hey, when you look like us and act like us and vote like us and think like us and do everything we want you to do, we see some potential in you. About two years from now, you're going to be good. You're going to be exactly the way we want you to be. So we're going to tag them. There's potential in you, right? And that's what we're saying is like, hey, when you look like me and act like me, well, I put the other one here. Here we go, right? ADD's kicking in. And then there's the yellow one. It says serviceable. I love this one because this means there's nothing wrong with it. We can put it back on the plane. I love that because we might as well just get rid of those three, right? This is all we really need because those, those get in the way of what Jesus wants to do. This is what we need. But hey, you may not be where you want to be yet. Come on, you're welcome here. You may not feel like you got it all together yet. Yeah, come on, you belong here. You matter to us the way you are. We want you to find Jesus, and once you find Jesus, we want to help you live like him. You don't have to do anything to belong. You don't have to do anything to, be, to come here. You don't have to do anything for us to say you, have matter, you matter. Matter of fact, you never, even if someone never changes, right? matter of fact, if they never believe what you believe, we want them to, but some people never will, they still have value, and they still matter. We got to get out of this mindset of we tend to only go to who we want to go to. And we got to go and be like Jesus. And I want us to adopt this phrase. I, I think this helps us do that. I'm going to go and be like it's only up to me. I'm going to go and be like it's only up to me. And why I want us to adopt that is it means this. In our minds, we're going to tell ourselves, I'm, if someone's going to get reached, it's because I went. And I'm going to go and be like the whole church rides on me, like this mission rides on me. I'm going to go and be to that coworker because I think I'm the only one who's going to do it. I'm going to go and be and help disciple that person because I think I'm going to be the only one who does not If I don't, someone else won't. Rather, it doesn't matter if they will or not, but we're going to go and be with a mindset that we're going to go and do this even if nobody else will. And each of us say, hey, I'm going to go like it's up to me and only up to me. I bet you you'll see change in your family, in your, your friend groups, in this your workplace, like, we're going to go and be like it's only up to me. I'll end this series with a story. A couple years ago, I watched a really bad movie called The Justice League, right? It's really, really bad, really bad movie. It's a superhero movie, so you're not into that, just stay with me, right? And and it's this movie with Batman, Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman, right? And so there's a scene with Batman and Flash, and they're fighting a bad guy. I don't know his name, right? I don't know. I didn't, it was really bad, okay? But they're fighting, and the Flash is freaking out. He's like, hey, listen, I I can't do this. He's like, I'm scared of bugs. I'm I'm scared of big people with muscles. He's like, I've never done anybody. I just run 
really fast. I run really fast. That's all I can do. All I can do is run fast. That's all I can do. Batman looks at him and says, here's what you're going to do. Go save one. And then what? And Batman's answer was this. You'll know. Because what he's saying is, like, go save one. Then what? Then you'll know, go back to save another one. And then what? Save another one. Here's the Braveheart rally cry to you. Go reach one. I'm not telling you to reach everyone. I'm telling you to reach one. I'm not, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm asking you, go reach one. And then what? You'll know. Go reach another one. And then what? Oh, you, you should be an expert by then. Just go reach another one. And then what? Go reach one more. Go reach one. And we keep reaching one at a time, one at a time. That's how life change happens. One at a time, one at a time, one at a time. We're making disciples one at a time. We're baptizing one at a time. We're reaching one at a time. And we're doing that until we no longer have any breath left in our lungs. That's your purpose. God is calling you to that purpose, and he's saying, don't hide. Don't hide. So I wanted, we wanted to give you as a staff a couple things to do this and how you can reach one. So there's three things up here. I would like, hey, if you can do all three, that's amazing. But if you can't, just do one. First thing we can do is help fill buddy bags. And to figure out what that, how to do that, you can go to the, the website, revolutioncc.org, or in the app. And the buddy bags, it, it, we basic, they basically help serve kids in the community who need food on the weekends or longer holidays. And they give them food so they have something to eat throughout the week, throughout the weekend, right? And so you can help do that. All the information is in the app. Serve. We're going to have the parade. And the Christmas series this year is called At the Movies, Christmas At the Movies. And my, my, what I, my goal is to make it the biggest series we've ever done. And so we need volunteers so you can also go to the app to do that and, and serve for that. And then today, at, I know it's last minute notice, but we knew after last week we had a conversation about the next generation. And sadly, we found out another student took their life. Like, we got to do something. We don't have the answers. So we, when we don't have the answers and we don't know what to do, we find ourselves praying. So we're going to pray at 530 in front of the Berry Bowl today for the school and the next generation. We, and we're asking you to please join us at that at 5.30. It won't take very long, 20 minutes at the most, but please join us for that. I got a couple, another exciting thing coming up. The first weekend in November, we said, hey, we want to be for the next generation. So what we're going to do in the first week in November, starting that week and every month following until we hire a full-time worship minister, we're going to have Sunday night services for junior high and senior high students. So you can put your hands together for that. We're going to have it every week. Every, once a month. And we're also, please, please be praying for us because we're looking and searching for the next junior high and senior minister that God is going to send this church. We are a church that's serious about the next generation and we're serious about letting people know they matter. And not just in the series, but with our action, with our money, with our deeds, and everything we do. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you call us to join you in this mission to reaching people. Father, we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the knowledge. But, Father, we have to be willing to go and be like Jesus. Father, so I pray that you give us the courage to go and be like Jesus. And we reach one, not everyone, but one. We reach one and then one more and one more. Father, and we do this and we don't give up on people because you never gave up on us. It says when the one leaves the 99, you come and search us. When we were lost, you found us and you came after us. Father, we want to be like you. We want to have your heart. And we know what love is because you loved us first, Father. So we thank you for that. Today, as we continue to praise God, I, I, as we continue to praise you, I pray that we have someone on our mind that we can reach, that you put in our heart. God, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.